Let's go. How are you, mate? Fix, uh, how's things, mate? Uh, g'day right. to you and all the listeners. What uh, what a week we've had in podcast world, mate. Yeah, back to reality with a uh, very crashing thud. We, uh, <laughs> we're going to call on all your year 10 acting skills that we know you have because uh, we had the big announce, the big, well, we had the big sponsor ready to unfurl on a new format during the week. Uh, and in true jib fashion, not once but twice, we had <laughs> massive technical issues and thrown in the bin. Yeah, gee, if we can't get this one right, there's we haven't got much going for us, have we? After after a few goes. Um, yeah, I'm doing this one while I'm actually just watering the garden and just going off memory. I don't even got a notepad in front of me. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what though. Um, in terms of what we possibly could have in store for our uh, for our listeners in the future, if you know some of the little things we had prepared, if they can, if we can bring it all together. You're in for a treat, but you just got to hold fire just for a second for us. Yeah. Unfortunately, we thought the show was bloody good and we were sitting back with a bit of head wobble and... Making the cigar, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Until we went to put it all together and it turned to shit. So, um, yeah, very, very disappointing. But um, we thought we'd just put one out in our old format. We had a few people um, request that uh, where the show was, so... We thought we'd just throw one out now and uh, hopefully nut out a few technical issues we're, during the week and have yeah, the format ready. Yeah, we're just we're a bit like the player who's just coming out of contract, um, and we're, we're our our company line is we're exploring our options at this point. Yeah, and we'll have word uh, come through when it when we know more about it. So that's yeah, we where we're at. Yeah, so we'll probably keep the the announcement of the new sponsor, but we can uh, confirm that we've locked in a, a sponsor on a five year deal. We'd just like to. Um, Unfurl with a bit more fanfare and a bit better forum with a few yep. more tricks, which yep. Um, yep. hopefully we'll be able to sort out during the week. Watch this space. Yeah. Um, we had a couple of new entrants in our footy tipping comp during the week, Roscoe. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Sankey, who offered up the Jack uh, Nicholas five-pound note. Which is a, a very <laughs> unique cracking size, isn't it? It is. Well, it was when it was one of a hundred. Through the probing, just to sort out the validity uh, with Sanks, it could be closer to one in a million, but it's a, yeah. a, it's a good little piece that he's got. And, and probably my favourite so far from Ian Popel, the uh, David Boone miniature uh, signed cricket bat, complete with the missing batting uh, grip, which yeah. really adds to the prize, I think. Adds, adds to the uniqueness of it. And a little bit you would say, in jib fashion with no grip, um, just a couple of little parts missing, but it all comes yeah. together. It does the job. It's not, it doesn't look effective and doesn't uh, probably fulfil its purpose to the best of its ability, but it gets the job done, which is what we're after. Just on prizes fix, we've had a couple. Uh, now, this won't be from an entrant, but uh, the, the cup created for the winner of the, the tipping comp. Um, there's a couple of football boots that are signed by Essendon players. Now, the only Essendon player of any real notoriety on it is there's one signed by Leroy Jetta. Yep. Um, Heath Hocking is another name that, that appears. So, um, and they're not Adidas, Puma or Nike boots. They're, they're the old Gnomis uh, boots. Ah. So, um, yeah, they're about size eight too. So don't even <laughs> try and wear them. They're both, I think, I think they're both left foot. So, um, we thank uh, the the donator of those uh, those boots, and there's another prize to add to the collection. So we're, we're gathering quite a little kitty. Yeah, mate. that's brilliant. Um, 
Can you hear the origins of that Nomis boot? How that, like how Alistair Lynch become the, the figurehead for that? Was he the figurehead? Was he all th- for some reason? I thought Acker was. Acker was. Uh, Acker was involved in it. Was he the first wearer? Yeah, yeah, he was the first wearer, and they come to watch him to um, not sign up a deal, but get a, a deal nutted out because uh, he was obviously yeah. wearing them. And they went up to the mm. Gabba one night, and Lynchy, I think Lynchy, Lynchy kicked ten, and the uh, yep. the owners of the Nomis boot were a bit more interested in dealing with Lynchy than what they were with Acker. <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless they never yeah. really reach great proportions anyway nah. so they sort of fit in our um wheelhouse pretty good yep. prize wise especially yep. size eight nah, that's nah. exactly the size yeah. we're sort of looking for oh mate they look uh they look outstanding on the prize board you um, got kyle, kyle remus on them by any chance no nah, we'll see that would have lifted the um the rating of them a little bit if there was kyle remus um the best we can do is is heath hocking yeah. but um Certainly, uh, we'll get a picture of them up on the on the Facebook and Twitter page at some stage, mate, and um, give the give the uh, our followers a little bit of a look at them. And um, yeah, they're very sought after. These yeah, ones. right. You'd... I actually think it might have been fixed. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but um, it was after. Uh, you know, when Essen didn't come to Wangaratta because it was raining, and and they they got stuck in Melbourne and all all the uh, fanfare surrounding. Well, that, I think St Kilda took a bus and Essen and. We're going to take a plane, I Essendon. think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think the next year, Essendon had to do some real greasing up of asses, yep. and uh, I think that that might have been on one of their community visits. They were signed by by these players. So uh, there's a little bit of history behind those Jeez, ones. That's some serious ass greasing when you're sending out blokes like Heath Hocking to sign uh, size eight <laughs> enormous boots. <laughs> yeah, you limped to the line with cricket, Roscoe. You just about got it out of your system, or? Oh, I think I have, mate. I'm just, like, uh, in terms of the, the ODIs, um, haven't really grabbed me. Um, and I think it'd be fair to say, just on face value, it probably hasn't grabbed a lot of the Australian players that were part of the Ashes um, winning side either. It just seems to have just limped to the line a little bit like that um, that woman in the 84 Olympics. I think it's just getting to the line and... I'm not sure whether what they have to do about that fix it. Probably something around scheduling, I think, can be tinkered. Yeah, I think they need to seriously look at a reschedule. I know we've discussed uh, privately before, or actually probably in the last two shows we've discussed. So we should have the solution pretty well nutted out. But <laughs> Nothing's changed for us. <laughs> well, I'm going to roll it out again, as I did in the last two shows and no one heard. That the, I think the, the rescheduling needs to – the ODIs, I reckon, need to go to the start of the summer. We obviously have the, um, the Ranger Cup or the JLT, whatever the, the uh, domestic format is. They play that at, the, at yep. the moment at the start of the year and then it's not used till after Christmas. So I would be looking at uh, on the back end of that, playing that before the test series, have your test series up to Christmas and just after and then allocate a time for BBL. And that also then enables those international players that uh, at the moment are getting ripped out of the BBL sides Around finals, leading up to finals, um, they're, they're playing for the for the country, which is obviously the first port of call. But it's sort of devaluing the the BBL a little bit as well, don't you reckon? Yeah, I think it devalues nearly every competition. So in terms of your your domestic one dayers, if they're trying to pick a um, an international team to play straight after that, 
surely that will create a situation where you've got international players needing to get some white ball cricket and play that domestic stuff. So all of a sudden, the rating of that yes, um, and then um, it, it, it'll just snowball into into creating some strong competitions. I would have thought, but maybe there's you know we're we're only two podcasters. Whether we see some things that or we don't see some things that the uh, the hobnobs do. I'm not too sure, Fix, but surely it's not that hard a solution, I wouldn't have I, thought. I don't think it's that hard a solution. I think it would revolve e-rights and getting maximum value for that in terms of like what the broadcasters want when they want to put it on. Um, yeah. Dictated a little bit too by the money they receive from the broadcasters, I would think. Yeah. Because it, as you yeah. said, it does look like a pretty obvious solution to fix, doesn't it? Yeah, it would, and it's always a bit of a worry when you've got um, TV networks trying to dictate when when you're going to play your crickets and the scheduling behind that. But it's as you mentioned, it's impacted the BBL a bit. I think around this time of year, when you want to keep that momentum going that they create over Christmas, you've got, with all due respect to these players, you've got your Cameron Gannons of the world, your Evan Gulbuses, and these sort of blokes are being rehashed because your international stars are being called on to play international cricket. Yep. So. That you know, your, your talent pool starts to get a little bit thin this time of year, and with news during the week that they they're looking at increasing the amount of games, um, I, I would have thought you'd probably want to straighten up things in terms of your scheduling and how you you factor in things like that as a, ahead of playing more games. I think, and and that seems to be the general consensus from all the players. Sure, you listen to the players on that. Yeah, well. Once you start bringing, I know they've been talking about new franchises, possibly one down Geelong, um, and get maybe getting one. I think they were mentioning maybe another one down in Tassie. But regardless of that, the crowds are down. I think I read the other day the crowds are down ten percent. Ah, sorry, the, the the viewers are down ten. The ratings are down ten percent. Yeah, the crowds yep. look like they're not quite as big. Um, yep. So they're probably on the back of seven years of some really good momentum. They've stagnated. So I think maybe you know the next year or two might be a year, couple of years just to steady the ship, reevaluate yeah. where they want to go with it, put all their get all their ducks in a row, get the scheduling right, make sure the depth of players are there before they take that next step and um, and progress again. Yeah, and I think the um, the TV rights are up for renewal. Whether it's next year, I'm not hundred. It's within the next couple of years. I'm, I'm pretty sure it might be next year. So. That's probably why they want to increase the games to, to cash in there. But um, I think you've got to take heed a little bit from the players and, and see what they want and whatever gives you your best product going forward, I would have thought. But, um, yeah, there's obviously some a fair bit of money at stake fix, I reckon. Yeah, that's what it – obviously, most of these big decisions, they eventually come back to the strength of the dollar and, um, yeah. what, you know, maximising the deal that they can get, probably as opposed to what's best for the game sometimes, I think. Yeah, um, and we've we've um we've taken a hit on or we've we've given a fair hit to cricket um administrators in the past, and we're prepared to keep going with it until we get what we want. We're getting good yeah. at it. Well, yeah, unfortunately, really, because <laughs> we're fucking not learning. <laughs> it's just not that hard. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't have thought so. Oh, I don't think it's that hard to pick a team either that uh, of Blake's informant. And in terms of, well, can we get on to a bit of selection? Because we had the South African team picked uh, earlier this week. Yep. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, young Alex Carey is, yep. is the interesting one. We um, When we first did the show, when it, we thought we were going to air, the side wasn't picked and then the side was picked. And yeah. um, 
he sort of strung together some form in the BBL. It's it's just interesting getting back to the, the structure of the summer, um, what these blokes are actually getting picked off. Yeah. Because it's it's purely like he made 100 in BBL. Well, that's not, for, you know, five-day cricket with a red ball. It's not even close. No. no. Um, but I do like the cut of his jib. I think he's someone that um, they're obviously looking at probably in the next 18 months, I assume, um, for he'd be, he'd some be your changeover. Yeah, I think they might, pain might be, you know, 6, 12, 18 months, and then yep. when Kerry's ready to come in. It, it looks like they've moved away from Wade and Neville, which probably isn't that bad a thing. Yeah. Um, who? What was the other... What other John Holland was the... Yeah, that was, was, that, was a good the two, the two uh, not interesting ones, but John Holland's obviously taken more wickets nearly than anyone um, outside Chad Sayers, which was my other, yep. was my second point. Um, Holland didn't even, wasn't even a stand, uh, you know, a, a backup um, spinner for the, the Sydney test, which is extremely <laughs> disappointing. Like, I, I just don't understand when they say to batsmen, you need to go back and make runs. Well, yeah. As a bowler, all he can do is just keep taking wickets. And he's yeah. been overlooked. He's done, he's done it prolifically, he's, hasn't he? He's done it for the last two and a half years. Um, yeah. And regularly gets overlooked for tours and um, just the opportunity to play that level. Yeah. And which is obviously good that they've, they've picked him. And I hope that he goes really well because he's, he's as they say, his body of work has been outstanding. Um, yeah. The, the, other, the other interesting one for me was the non-selection of Chad Sayers. And the non yeah. the non communication to him about where he stands is is almost alarming. Oh, we've addressed this a few <laughs> times, I, I reckon, on other shows. Um, how an international uh, team, uh, forget cricket team, an international side, there can be so little um, correspondence from player to to coaching staff and selectors than there is with the Australian cricket team. It's That's bizarre. It's, it's, to hear guys come out and say, well, I don't really know where I stand, it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah, it's tough. On that sort of level, you'd, you'd see club club cricketers handled better um, at local level than mm. what you see at the international level, which is, you know, when they when they take um, touring parties away, it's, you know, it's generally 15 players, but the squad's close to 30 with all the hanger honorers. Yep. Assistant coaches, yep. batting coaches, high-performance coaches, um, physios, doctors, the amount of people that are around uh, that body of players, you just assume that the feedback, like you never see an AFL player um, who's not getting a game come out and publicly say why he doesn't understand where he stands, do you? Yeah. They'd be drilled <laughs> down to the last minute. They'd know every exact reason why they're not playing and everyone at the club yep. would know that and it's up to them to rectify their deficiencies to get in. Exactly, yeah. And you and I, you and I have both coached, you know, albeit football. Um, but at the very least, you, you, the guys who are on the cusp of selection, and even if they're not on the cusp of selection, they're they're outside that next group coming in. You give them a little bit of feedback as to how they're travelling, and to have a guy come out and say, oh, "I don't really know where I stand, or or um, what the next step is for me in my career." Well. Gee whiz, there's some issues there, I would have thought. Yeah, um, well, you know. Like, even if you claim the truth and, and say, look, we, we don't think you're capable of playing for Australia, at least then he knows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's bizarre. Like, you, you work, you'd be the same. We, when I was coaching, you work off your man management 
Um, yeah. Like a Thursday night, selection night, I, I didn't even take the playing group. The assistant coaches would take all the training and I'd wander around and yeah. try and speak to 25 blokes, you know, you're 22 plus your three, four, five that are on yeah. the fringes. Yeah. Um, you work that out. you got an hour and a half basically on a Thursday night. You speak yeah. to 30 blokes for only two minutes, that's an hour of your time taken up. So <laughs> if we can pack in speaking to 30 blokes in, you know, an hour or a bit over an hour yeah. on a Thursday yeah. night, Surely the Australian cricket team can speak to five or six players over a couple of weeks. I would have thought so. It's not, it's not that hard what yeah. they're doing. No, no, no. And everyone, um, yeah. Again, it's a, it's a case of the, the general public in Australia is scratching their heads as to why these simple things don't happen. Yeah. And I, it's, a, it's a bloody bizarre one to read. <laughs> There's got to be an explanation. Any, it, doesn't make, I think. it doesn't make any sense at all. Oh, oh shit! Hey, just on cricket fix, did you catch um, young uh, the young redhead leg spinner um, in the under 19s Pope? I did. I like the cut of his. Yeah. Head. I really yeah. like the cut of his. Other than his yeah. red hair, which yeah, uh, you may want to either um, you know maybe dye that or, or cut it. There's remedies that can be used to to straighten yeah. that out, but um, you can rectify that. Yeah, Jesus, doesn't mind a bit of a wrong one. Doesn't mind a wrong and I like the way he flights them up and um, yeah, gives the batsman a bit of a look at it and then uh, yeah, it does a little bit of work off the off the track. So he's got a little bit. Yeah, you wonder where he'll go because I think I was reading he's the only uh, player ever to top the wicket taking as at the under seventeen World Cup and the under nineteen World Cup. Yeah, right. Eh? Um, yeah. Which is you'd think that's tracking him into some, you know, a pretty good opportunity to become a an international player, wouldn't you? that sort of branding. Yeah. Yeah. Going on those talent pathways, he's doing all the right things that would indicate that um, he could have a fair career ahead of him, I think. And, uh, you know, there's not a, generally speaking, that there's not a truckload of leg spinners that come through the ranks. So he's obviously, um, he'll be in the frame at some time in his career, I reckon. Yeah. One of the the joys of night shift uh, working through and then, (laughs) Being up for a little while, and I found myself watching some of the under nineteen World Cup cricket. I was watching India and uh, New Zealand there, and yeah, the, uh, when you're sort of uh, half asleep and you just need something to um, just a, ba- a little space filler for half an hour before you go to bed, um, yeah. that's good. You see the young fellas there, and you know you wonder what, what, in the next three, three or four years where you'll see the same name sort of pop up, and hopefully for um, Australian cricket, a league's been a um, like Pope would be bloody brilliant. Yeah, it's exciting, especially a, an attacking one who's willing to fly it up. A, you know, with all due respect to an Adam Zamper and these sort of guys, just a, a purely a one-day spinner that can restrict and and maybe get the, the batsman to make a mistake, whereas this guy looks a genuine attacking option. Yeah, I think it holds back your development a little bit. I'd be more inclined, especially a leg spinner, to um, once he comes on the scene at first-class level to... You know, basically say you're not going to be playing one day cricket for the next three years just till he finds his feet. Because as you said, you look at Zampa, he's, his cricket's gone backwards a little bit in a way, even yeah. though he's playing at a higher level. Because as you said, yeah. it's, it's a lot flatter trajectory and um, he's yeah. just trying to restrict and not get whacked around. And I don't think it's that good for, a, in particular, leg spinner's development. No, I don't. It's not a habit you want to get into just trying to restrict. If, you, if, you want to, if you've got ambitions to play red ball cricket at a higher level, um, I wouldn't have thought that's probably the way to go about it. But no, 
Um, you've got to make money somehow, I suppose. Yeah, especially when you got red hair. Um, <laughs> now, if that's all we've got in cricket, yep. um, I don't know whether you caught uh, last week, I had to go on the um, our good friends of ours, the Chili Dippers, uh, which is yes. Luke Clark and David Ralston's uh, podcast. Um, I am a regular listener, and uh, they're doing a fantastic job. And I did catch your episode, and, and may I say, Fix, I'm, I've been a big fan of theirs for a while, but I thought you lifted the rating of, of that particular podcast exponentially. I had to take it up another level, though, floundering <laughs> a little bit with their ratings. They've got all the technical gear, but um, obviously you had your 40th the night before, so you were a little bit rusty, so I had to go in solo and um, yep. and uh, look after the boys there. But it was a very enjoyable uh, experience to see how the other boys um, uh, run their show. There's a lot of technical gear there that I was very unfamiliar with. Yeah, they um, their, their budget is a little bit higher than ours right at this point, or it was um, before we've we've gathered a sponsor and uh, and you know bear with us on that one as we said before. But one thing that I did notice, and and a good friend of our show, um, it slid across his desk to fix a um, young Peter Rourke. Right. Uh, now there was a, a story relayed on that um, particular podcast episode about a hole in one that was that was made or not made. Yes. Now, um, what what's happened in since that time? Uh, the guy in question, Peter Rourke, has released a statement, a signed statement, might I add, and, and I'd like to take it from the top if I could, which it, it could um, just add a little bit of intrigue into this story and maybe straighten a few little things up. So, so before you start, Roscoe, I presume this is a, what we call a legally binding document, an yep. affidavit. Legally, legally binding, signed, yep. uh, typed up Dated. magnificently, um, and it, it will stand up in, in any court of law, I think. Yeah. I, I don't know a lot about court, but uh, I'm pretty sure it would. I'm familiar with so the story, we'll... so just a quick background for the, the people that don't listen to the Chili Dippers. It was, uh, it was put across on the show by... David, that um, uh, Rookie uh, on a par three had lost his ball on the first hole and uh, hit the ball in the hole with his second shot, which equivalently is a three. But just just a quick so, backdrop before we start. Sorry, Roscoe. Yeah, that, yeah. So as you said, effectively part it according to to the Dave Ralston version of events. So. So Rookie's taking great exception to that, and I'll read uh, from the top fix. So it's dated January twenty eighteen. Uh, titled Feedback, the Chili Dippers podcast, episode 15, which you so graciously appeared on. Yep. It is with great interest that I was made aware of comments aired in the most recent episode of the Chili Dippers podcast. One, David Ralston, allegedly made an accusation directed at me in relation to a hole-in-one that was scored at Jubilee Golf Course Wangaratta in 1998. To say I was disappointed in these comments is a gross understatement, and I would like to convey my side of the story so as to get closure on this event. On this particular day, which was midweek, and yes, by myself, I was tailing a small group on the front nine at Jubilee. On approach to the par three fourth, I hesitated teeing off whilst the group ahead was on the green. Once ready, I hit in a seven iron. In flight, I thought, I've hit this well. Due to the slope and undulation of the hole in question, I could not see the green, despite me jumping up and down to get some sort of vision. So I wandered down where the group ahead had moved onto the fifth tee. On approach to the green, I did not see my ball on the dance floor, so I placed my buggy on the side of the green and scanned for my ball. 
I thought, hmm, it must have gone past the hole. After looking through the scrub for a number of minutes, I then thought, nah, surely it can't be in the hole. But I checked anyway. And to my surprise, there she was, Optima 5 Tour in its home. So as David has incorrectly stated in the podcast, there was no second shot. There was no off the hill, just a plain old good golf shot. To have my name dragged through the mud and have the gloss taken off a memorable sporting achievement is disappointing, especially from someone who you'd expect would do due diligence collecting the facts to piece together this story. I ask for nothing but a retraction from the Chili Dippers and in particular David Ralston. Signed, Peter Benjamin Rourke. So there you are, Oh, geez, that's explosive. Uh, <laughs> when I was in the podcast uh, with the boys... Uh, I feel like we should throw to Tracy Grimshaw here. <laughs> yeah, it's always got a bit of ACA written across it, hasn't it? <laughs> well, the interesting part, according to Dave's uh, version of events, which I commented on, but I was only yep. commenting on the facts I was, as well, I was yeah. presented them, uh, yep. was that he spoke to a member of the group. But what I take out of that uh, affidavit from Rocky is obviously there was no one else playing with him. On his own, mate. On his own. Yeah, right. And um, that obviously wouldn't be... Uh, put in the clubhouse due to it not being competition, I presume. Well, yeah, it wasn't in competition, so you won't see it on any um, on a board or anything inside the club rooms at Jubilee Golf Club. Yep, that's correct. Right. Well, we've got some work to do this week. Okay. Simple so it'll be interesting to see what what comes out of the Chili Dippers camp in response to this. Well, uh, the, the Chili Dippers, obviously, as you know, don't run as big a uh, following as ours, so they could have just ostracised their one and only listener. <laughs> which uh, is very would be very disappointing. But if they want to get him back, I'll um, I'll obviously yeah. chase up with Dave Ralston. Uh, he is he is a big fan of the Chili Dippers, Peter Rourke, but um, he just off him at the moment. Be, yeah, yeah, he's just on hold, so to speak. Well, I'd be happy in most forums to defend uh, David Ralston, as I've had to do on numerous occasions in regards to uh, plenty of different <laughs> a lot of things. a lot of different incidents. But on this one. Uh, I'll probably have to just wait and get some more information on this to for him to present a case as a right of reply. Yep. Um, yep. yep. But yeah, we'll give him that on us. Certainly, yep, for sure. it appears that he's um, uh, all the quality equipment and gear they've got over there hasn't been able to filter out just plain old bullshit. That's what it appears at the moment, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. And. Uh... Whether, I'm not sure what their legal team is like uh, compared to ours. Yeah. But uh, obviously ours is reasonably thin. The only, um, the only, maybe they might have a bit of power behind yeah, them. Yeah, the only positive that Dave will have, obviously, um, being in New Zealand, based in New Zealand, the, the legal fraternity over there is slightly cheaper, probably <laughs> 20 cents in the dollar cheaper than uh, what they are in Australia. But <laughs> we'll give him a right of reply. It's... Uh, that's just sort of blown me away, even for the third time yeah. this week. Yeah. No, it's... <laughs> and that, the reading of that letter hasn't changed it's, it's, in three times. To be fair, go, yeah, to elaborate to our listeners, that has been the exact same I've heard three times this week, and it hasn't changed at all. <laughs> well, what's a worry is that I'm still reading it word for word off the paper. Surely I know it off by heart now, the, but uh, I unfortunately. I reckon if we put your three on the tape, even though they're all destroyed, but... The afflictions and the little uh, squiggly lines that you see on editing programs would be exactly the same. You'd just be able to overlay them. Oh, God. Well, yeah, we, we, we will follow that up during the week. I know that um, we had a, 
the young man in question over New Zealand's been very nervous this week. With um, he was made aware that the, there was a bombshell to be dropped regarding his story, yep. and I know he's he's been very um, very restless, Shaky. very restless yep. during the week. And um, <laughs> yeah, we will give him the right of reply, obviously. So I'll chase that up during the week. Yep, for sure. Now, Steve, your economics. Yeah, I've got a couple of picks, but I'd like you to kick off with yours, mate. Give us what you – I know you've got one that's uh, slid across your desk. Yeah, well, I only went for one this week, and it's one that we um, – that is basically a quote that I've been looking for all pre-season in regards to our Steve Jurica nominations. Yep. Um, and I know that this time of year the Herald Sun editors go on holiday, so something slips through, a little intern puts it in. But I know this phrase is not to be mentioned pre-season, and it has been, and I picked it up. It was in the Herald Sun last week. Uh, it was in regards to Paula Hearn from GWS. Yep. Uh, he yep. had two knee recos. Um, it, was a, it was a real high-end draft pick um, and just struggled at GWS with a few injuries. So, But uh, at the moment, he is said to be dot, dot, dot. Now, I'm hoping you get this. <laughs> dude, given that given the he's our third go at this, I'm going to take a punt that Paul Hearn is training the house ding, down. Ding, 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 I can't believe you got that. But uh, <laughs> once I saw that one, I didn't even bother sniffing around for anymore. It's like yeah. you, you used to see that going back over the last 10 years. It would be You'd probably see that exact phrase written two or three times in the, in the Herald Sun and um, upper management's obviously put a kibosh on it. Um, <laughs> it's definitely not to be written, but it has snuck in again. So, yeah, it was interesting just on that topic. Uh, listening to uh, RSN during the week, and um, Daniel Harford and, and the boys were interviewing one of the uh, I forget where who, who it was actually. It was, it was an AFL player, and he said, Look, I know everyone's training, everyone's training well in the competition at the moment, so he's on board with that line of thinking, yep. which is terrific. From from half, and he's been a player before, so he knows what it's about. Yeah, well, there's that, and, um, and as a team, sorry to interrupt you, as a team one, you know, you, I've heard probably eight, eight or ten, or probably even all eighteen of the football managers slash high performance managers slash coaches slash captains slash leaders of yeah. clubs over the summer, and the one that really just pisses me off is where do you reckon you're going to finish this year? Are you going to play finals? And the stock standard word-for-word quote is, look, we're not putting a ceiling on our expectations. It's like, fuck off. You're either going to finish in the eight or the night. We'll be surprised if we're going to finish in the eight. We hope we do. We might surprise everyone. Like, when you say to Brisbane, if you speak to Fagan up at Brisbane and you say to him, you know, what are your expectations this year? And he says, oh, we're not going to put a ceiling you know, we're not going to put a ceiling on expectations yeah. where we think this group can go. Yeah. If I was a reporter, I'd say, maybe not finish on the bottom of the ladder. That's <laughs> Just tell us that. Or, I want to finish on the be... bottom four and I'll be happy as a pig in shit. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, well, what what so would be refreshing, yeah, what would be refreshing would be, you know, Fags, where do you think you can finish? Well, look, you know, I don't really know how we're going to go, but hopefully we can finish bottom four because we're still at a stage in our rebuilding where we need a couple of early draft yeah. picks, so hopefully you don't go too high. I'd, I'd respect Fags more for saying that than coming up with a <laughs> that dribbles out most footy ops managers' mouths at this time of year. Yeah, yeah mate, mental, like a note for all those coaches, there, there is a ceiling, and be honest with yourselves where it is. Yeah, yeah like you're not going to get North Melbourne 
putting any uh, ceiling on expectations. They'll be like, we win eight games, we're happy. And the general <laughs> footy public would go, you know what? They won four or five last year. Yep, they win eight. That's a good year yep. from North, and we'd be happy with that. Yep, absolutely. Sorry, so, I'm on board. Yeah, sorry. I'm on board big time. So what were your Steve Jerica noms? Um, well, I've gone, I've gone for a couple of guys who have been on notice for a little while. Uh, one's a perennial time trial winner. And you don't keep winning time trials unless you, um, unless, uh, or, and, and you, you don't win time trials, sorry, and then not make the, uh, or get a Steve Eureka nomination. So Isaac Smith from the Hawks fix gets a, uh, a Steve Eureka nom. He's uh, generally accompanied his name in most articles in the paper with the uh, Hawk running machine. Did that, was that <laughs> correct to that as well? No, nothing changes in 28 for 2018, sorry, yeah. mate. Um, and a guy who's who's been a serial offender in this this preseason, I've noticed it a little bit more than others. Uh, Jack Zubel from North, uh, there's been just a little bit a little bit too much excessive shirt off uh, um, displays from him. So I just thought, Jack, maybe let's just give the the sponsors a little bit of airtime, mate. Um, and and you're a Steve Jerica, on, mate. Yeah, that's how it rolls. I think if you went back through the archives, you'd find he's uh, he's pretty good at that, the gear yep. off the Wodonga lad. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's where you're at, Jack. Now, Fix, there was there's there's a, a when I say these two were on notice, there's a couple of big ones coming up too that are just flying very close to the sun. Yeah, we touch on very shortly, I reckon. Yeah, right. A little bit later right. when we do our our club preview, but right. um, let's just. Uh, yeah, we'll leave that for the moment. We don't want to spoil future nominations. Just get your powder dry. Now, yeah. before we go in our club this week's Essendon, which is um, guaranteed to give us some feedback, they're uh, yep. very particular with their club. Essendon supporters very parochial, so um, very protective. They aren't they? We'll be prepared for that. Before we go yep. into Essendon as our preview, Roscoe, I had something uh, slipped across my desk this week. Uh, sorry, yep. last. Early last week. Who knows what week we're up to now. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to get a timeline on when the fuck it happened. I've been sleeping during the day and working during the night, and I didn't even know today's Saturday. I missed Australia Day yesterday. I had no idea. I'm just, yeah, I'm all out of whack. But um, uh, something that was slipped across my desk at some stage in uh, the last period of time, uh, a bloke who was down at the uh, Portsea Polo, so I think that was oh, uh, last Saturday, it may have been. Uh, a real head wobble of him, that one. A real wanker, Ralph Lauren open neck shirt, uh, chinos, the boat shoes without socks, aviator glasses. <laughs> a real wanker affair. And this bloke who told me come from Pichuba. Right, so, not a place you usually associate uh, Portsea Polo with. Should have but, been uh, lost. Their own. Yeah, down yeah. the excuse, he got lost and somehow ended up there, but... Usually associate the um, the feedlot with yes, special bar, but stink. they want to graduate to Portsea Polo. Well, let's roll yeah, with it. A lot of stench. He would have had to share right up to get in there. But he was <laughs> sharing a beverage with a Steve Jerica nomination of yours from earlier in the year or late last year, Jager O'Meara. Oh, right. Yep, yep. And the mail that he gave me was that, according to Jager, he won't play at all this year, and his knee is ratchet. Really? Correct. Yes. He 
Uh, I don't know whether that was uh, exactly the ver uh, validity of the comments, but uh, what context they're in. But that's the mail he gave me, and he said he won't play it all this year. Trust me. Unless um, our Poochal Bar source had uh, too many Peronis at the, the Portsy Polo, that would defy everything that's come out of Hawthorne. Yeah. Wouldn't it? That, that statement yep. from, from O'Meara, because he allegedly is flying and, and training the house down, yeah. so to speak. I don't so, we'll name and shame the Petra Bar uh, person in question that this comes to light and Diego Mira plays yeah. 23 games and wins a brown line. Well, mate, if he plays one, yep. we'll, we'll name and shame. Yeah, he'll be his, name um, and shamed. And if it comes yeah. through, we'll obviously take all the credit. Which you, uh, yep. you don't always hear yeah. these... You don't always hear these rumours on mainstream media. Sometimes you have to dig around and go to podcasts like ours to get the, the early mail. But that's the mail that I've been given and that's the mail that I'm presenting to you and our listeners. Wow, that's a big one though, isn't it? Like, if that actually come to light, that he would find it very hard to... His career would be almost, well, I wouldn't say finished, but he'd find it very hard to come back from that. Because yeah. he's missed a fair bit of footy. What you would find is that you'd find it um, hard for him to achieve the level that he's been touted as yeah. at the very least, wouldn't you? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen his burst of his best, but the the cap on him um, is a lot higher um, talent-wise. Yeah. But obviously, if he misses another year, that sort of puts him back that he may never ever be able to play at that level that was expected of him. He might still be a good player, but yeah. oh, Jesus, and they gave up a lot too to get him. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, they they um, gave the farm up for him essentially. Yep. So that's uh, that was from our man from Petrobar. But what this space? Yeah, we will. But uh, Essendon is our side in uh, focus this week. Our preview of Essendon yep. for twenty eighteen. Um, yep. Last year, twelve wins, eleven losses. Saw them finish eighth. Uh, got beaten up there by got smacked actually up there by Sydney in a final. Um, yep. In comes Stringer, Smith, and Sard, which they all. Um, did at the trade table. Dodora actually mm-hmm. decided to get friendly this year and took some loop to the trade <laughs> table. people. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the only real notable outs were probably Stanton and Watson, um, both been pretty good players over the last 10 years. So yeah. um, I had their strengths, Roscoe's, their ability to score. Um, they yeah. scored 97 points a game last year. Uh, Danaher was fourth in the Coleman. Uh, Hooker kick 30 plus, Fantasia kick 30 plus, Tipper kick 30 plus. Um, and their ability to score is, is basically um, is based off their ability to move the ball really quickly. They've got they've yeah. got some real genuine pace and speed through the midfield, um, which gets it inside their 50 and gives their forwards opportunities. Um, especially playing at Eddie had a fast track. They always look probably a yard quicker there. They're super quick and slick. Um, yeah. and yeah, they can put it on the scoreboard, and they can put it on the scoreboard quick. Like when they when they when Essendon's playing good footy, they're they're a pretty exciting side to watch. They do have some um, players there with some serious wheels. So that were, that was my strength. Yeah, I haven't got a lot different to fix. Obviously, the ability to come from from last to make the finals is, albeit with with a strengthened squad, is um, is one of merit. I think that's a good a good effort. Um, as you mentioned, they traded him for some quality, which is which would give an indication as to where they think they're at. You know, to to add a little bit of quality in there to strengthen them. Uh, as you mentioned, I, their best footy is absolutely exhilarating to watch. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the scoring power and, and um, their electricity at ground level with some of their uh, their small fellas is 
is sensational. Um, as is their young crop, they've got some of the better better young players in the competition, albeit there's, there's a lot around. Uh, Merritt's their best and fairest winner. Fantasia has given a, a couple of glimpses of how good he can be. Tip and Woody, when, Essendon, when he plays well, Essendon play well. Uh, Danaher's a future star of the competition, or he's already. And uh, McGrath had one of the best first years you'll, you'll see from a kid. So, um, yeah, you know, they play some fantastic footy, but, uh, yeah, what, what possibly works the other way is going to be... Um, how how they can uh, narrow that gap, I guess, and and uh, be a little bit more consistent. What what do you have as weaknesses, mate? Oh, I had um, it's probably people think that it's been picky, but it's based on sides of the past. I think um, their midfield, to put it bluntly, that is full of piss ants. Um, yep. The merit Heppel, Parish, and if they throw McGrath in, which they will at different stages, I'd. Um, I think they're just going to struggle around stoppages and with their contested ball without a big... I thought they would have gone after a big, um, solid, contested ball midfielder made a real play this year at the trade table. Yeah, um, and you wouldn't put Stringer in that category yet, nah, you, as a, in terms of midfield play. Yeah, he's a six to eight minute burst, a quarter max yep. sort of thing. Um, he just hasn't got the engine. He's, he's that explosive player, but he's... He's a big bull, but he's not a he's not an extractor. That's where I think no. losing Watson, um, even though he's obviously a yard too slow this year and he looked tired, he's losing his presence around there. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they go without him in there because he is a, a yeah. bloke that feeds the ball out to those outside players. Um, yeah. And it's something, you know, it's not – you could draw a loose comparison, but they got smashed against Sydney up there and Sydney contested yeah. ball. And – I think Essendon will be a side that'll look really good and win lots of games that Eddie had. Um, yeah. Playing at the G and playing bigger bodied side and playing contested, you know, as you get closer to that pointy end, which obviously includes finals, um, I've just got question marks on how they're going to go um, without those big bodies against sides that have. Yeah, no, nah, fair point. Fair point, mate. I, I think uh, their inside numbers in terms of tackling and clearances were bottom two, bottom three in the competition. So you can have the most exhilarating side as, as we compared their, um, their strengths, but unless you can control the inside, uh, it's not worth a pinch of shit being able to, to be exhilarating on the outside. So um, that's something they're going to have to address and, and maybe fast track some bulls inside um, to do, to do some leg work. Um, they leak goals too much fix. I reckon yeah. uh, they, um, they averaged uh, almost 95, 95 points against yep. for, for the majority of 2017. So, um, and that's with with Michael Hurley down back as being a, still being a star. So there's some areas they have to address there. Um, and as I mentioned before, that the gap between the best and the worst is just too big. Yeah. So they need to get some consistency in their game. They are inconsistent. Um, yeah, it'll be it, it will be interesting to see that if they can... <coughs> Excuse me, because at the trade table was one of the things where I thought they'd maybe address that. And as you said, they went for Stringer, who's a uh, a fifty, not a fifty-fifty. He's a bit probably a seven-thirty gamble, but um, and they brought in Smith and Sard, who are both bloody tiny as well. Yeah. So they haven't, yeah. you know, I understand that um, Richmond had a heap of those small forwards, but you'd look at that as more anomaly than. 
um, the norm that's going to happen in the future. Mm. Like Richmond mm. set up their structure this year just purely by the way it worked. Yeah. Injuries and they sort of structured things a little bit differently. And yeah. uh, you want to be banking on they following did. Richmond to try and win a flag in the future. No. Nah. Nah. And they, I mean, Richmond had the best player in the competition as a, as an inside mid and and Trent Cochin who's who's in the in the top bracket of midfielders as well so who both do a lot of grunt work inside and, and they complement it outside obviously but yeah um, it, it makes you wonder sometimes do different coaching staff and and football analysis people see the game heading in a different direction to other clubs so Essendon obviously oh no no well, we haven't got a problem there we think we can overcome it by by doing X, Y, Z, and ABC will look after itself. So, going on the trade table, it looks that way. Yeah, oh, they obviously, yeah. they're obviously confident with the structure and the style that they want to play. Yeah, um, yeah, they they didn't go after players that I thought they may have. They they sort of they were a little bit lauded um, by people saying they won the trade table, but they got a couple of players mm. that were okay. But whether yeah. they're beneficial to them, I I don't. Yeah. I, I fully won't know the answer for another probably 12 or 18 months. Because you, you would think you'd, you've got to build a list to win grand finals. Don't yeah. you? That's essentially what you've got to do. You're not building it to, to um, for any other reason other than that. Um, so the question mark uh, still remains over them, whether their, their makeup of their team and their list and, and the way they play footy can hold up in finals. And right at this point, without any real evidence of the season so far, you'd say no. Yeah. But, We'll, we'll, we'll watch this space, I guess. Yeah. Who is your one to watch? My one to watch, mate, is uh, Andrew McGrath. I mentioned before he had uh, one of the better debut seasons um, of a, a first-year player. Um, I think he'll be a superstar, this bloke. They'll phase him in through the midfield with, with a little bit of time. I, they probably won't want to do it too much because he's still got to build himself up a little bit physically. And and uh, what he provides down back is, is some great decision-making and um, some real toe. Um, so I, I think he's just going to go to another level, and um, you know he's been mentioned in dispatches as being possibly the next Wanganeen, and I, I see him being, um, you know, a, a very very good player, and possibly getting to that getting to that class level. So uh, I think he's going to be a big one to watch, mate. Yeah, he's good with ball in hand, isn't he? Good yeah, just uh, not not phased by any situation, and. and um, as you, as you mentioned about Blake's having wheels, he's he's genuinely got some. So uh, I think he's set for a big one. Yeah. Who's your Who's your one to watch? I had mate? Joey D. He's finally, oh, yeah. um, well, not finally. He's been building to it, but I think last year a real breakout year to show the competition and how good a player he can be. Um, yeah. Massive. Oh, I'm a massive, massive fan. I saw a fair bit of him at underage and thought he was going to be a superstar, and he's just taken a couple of years to develop. Um, Having that, having the boys with the drug ban probably stunted his development a little bit as well, and and this year yeah. having everyone back, and he um, he finished fourth in the Coleman, uh, super overhead, uh, needs to become a more accurate kick for goal, which is a time thing. I think he's been working on it. Obviously, um, yeah. yeah, I think he can be a multiple Australian. I think now he's had that year under his belt with his confidence. I reckon this year he'll fully unleash and. Um, become one of the, the real superstars of the comp. Uh, in a contested situation, fix in a contested marking situation, there's never... 
I can't recall a more imposing figure if the ball's high above him um, yep. to, to leap for a grab and be more imposing in the air. I, I well, wouldn't fancy having to play on him. No, nah, well, the good, one of the skills that he has, you're watching closely, his ability to take the ball at its furthest point. Yeah. Uh, his reach, he, he never takes the ball in close, or very rarely in that situation. He takes the ball as far away as it's going to be from him, and which obviously yep. means a defender who's behind him struggles to reach. So yeah. um, if you're taking the ball at that furthest point, um, it makes it bloody tough for defenders when your arms are bloody massive. Yeah, yeah. And, and for a guy who's six foot 14 or whatever he bloody is, to just um, for the willingness to, to jump into blokes and stand on blokes' heads yep. uh, makes, makes it even more difficult to get that extra bit of distance in to, um, to make the spoils. Oh, so, yeah, he's the package. Shit, he's hard to play on. Where, what, what do you reckon? What sort of – if you were coaching Essendon, how would you instruct – uh, their their coaches to to use Danaher. Oh, it was me. I'd be 70, 30, 70 inside fifty. I wouldn't let, let him leave at fifty. Seventy percent of the time, yep. you want him in there. You uh, don't want him up on the wings at all. Nah. Up on the sides. No, nah, you don't want him. Obviously, in the modern game, you are going to work up. You know, work the logos as they say. But um, yep. for me, as a defender, uh, you put it in my situation where it's the worst place I want him. 15 to 20 metres out from goal with the ball lobbed in. Yeah. Yeah. Just panic stations all around. And, and also, you get the ball, you get, if you can get deep entries and get him obviously closer to goal and get deep entries, you've got that third defender who has to come off and um, give it, give the other one-on-one defender that's on Danaher a chop out. Yeah. It just sort of throws it out. There's all, all of a sudden one floating around, one extra Essendon forward floating around. And um, I just think you... You just make your defenders more accountable to play on him. Yeah, your old uh, the Meninga Singh starts to just tighten a little <laughs> bit uh, as you get closer to the goal if you're playing on oh, him. Oh, would with him, especially when he kicks three or four in the first quarter. You just want the ground to swallow you up. <laughs> Who did you put the Onga hat on this week for a player that's well, not mind? a not a super well known player, mate, but it's a player I remember from the the tack. Cup days um, when he played for the Western Jets, uh, Jaden Laverde. Yeah, um, he's been there for a Holy few Jack. years now. Yeah, yeah, um, was a reasonably high draft pick. Just oozes ability and, and plenty of class, and um, can do the extraordinary thing. But he just hasn't quite got there as a regular <laughs> member of the team. Whether it, there's been some injury worries probably along the way, but for a guy like him, it's probably now that he has to uh, to make an impact and. Um, you know, been in the system for a little while, knows how everything uh, works. Um, obviously, you, you need to get your body right, but his guy, it's a now or never situation for him, I think. Um, that's that's the way I read it. So he's my under the pump. Yeah. Oh, you and I have discussed it before. It's interesting that um, uh, top 20 draft picks basically get four years to show they can't play, while as blokes that are picked over pick 70 have two years to show they can. It's a... <laughs> It's sort of a uh, a bit of a, uh, a debate between the the recruiting uh, members of the club and the coaching staff whether you know yeah. who, who actually wilts first and says, "Well, yeah. we got it wrong. He we picked him there. He can play, or we actually got it wrong. He can't play." Or the coach is thinking, "Well, they picked this bloke this early. Can he actually play? And are we coaching him well enough?" And yeah, he falls in that category. Yeah. I had the uh, Myonga on a new recruit, Jake Stringer, 
this week. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, uh, not for the reasons that you're probably thinking, that fucking ridiculous man bun that he's sporting. <laughs> I don't know who tells you you look good. Uh, when they wear that sort of man bun set up, surely someone is telling him you look like a dickhead just buddy get your hair cut properly. Well, I think as soon as you leave the hairdresser with that haircut, they hand you an onga pump yeah. and say, keep this above your head, mate. Well, he's got the, I don't know if you noticed this week, a thing on face I saw during the week. He's getting that uh, silly line tattoo on his belly touched up as well. Yeah. He looks yeah, like which um, is... he's got a, getting a couple of fallopian tubes tattooed on there. Have you seen the setup that he's got with it? <laughs> yeah, I, I did see it, mate. And um, what Jake might want to do is just clear a space on his trophy cabinet for a Steve Eureka trophy <laughs> too, because if he keeps up that fucking business. Well, it's uh, remember the, that um, gastro, there was a gastro bloody uh, medicine for an upset tummy when you're a kid and they got that texture and drew it on that bloke's belly. Remember that? <laughs> That's what it yeah. sort of looks like. <laughs> it was ridiculous, but getting back to him, he's, um, he's changed clubs. Uh, he's obviously yep. had off-field issues that if he can rectify, um, they've probably been limiting his on-field stuff. Um, I think, as I've said before, the male down here, he hasn't really slowed up, is what I've heard. Um, off-field, yeah, he's still right. got a few issues that he needs to sort out, which I yep. hope he does because I actually like him as a player and I hope that he does well and achieves what he should because up and going, as we know, he's an all-Australian player. Um, but he's put a, he's put a bit of heat on himself as well, obviously, out of the Bulldogs. Um, yep. And they pretty much just took the deal in the end. They not overly disappointed to lose him, but he was obviously doing enough stuff there that they weren't shattered that he left. Um, yeah. He gets an opportunity now, and you don't you really get too many third chances. So you'd think that he if he's going to make it, he want to sharpen up this year and the next uh, two years really define his career. I reckon. Yeah, and given it was an interesting um, chain of events that obviously with the culture at the doggies, um, you know, and the and the way they they can um, you know, look after their own, and for a premiership player to be let to let him walk, yep, um, just it indicates the how in, you know big that situation was. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a big time for for Jakey boy. Yep. Um, I, I'm the same as you. I reckon he's an unbelievable player. Like his trick bag is just extraordinary. So when he's at his best, uh, he's a superstar. But um, yeah, you'd hope for his sake that he'd be able to to deliver it. Yeah. Now picking where they're going to finish was a difficult task for me. I ended up going six to ten. Yep. Where did you have him? Mate, well, not far off you, mate. I've gone, if they, they're able to fire, I, I went from a 5 to 10 range. Yeah. Um, and wouldn't surprise me either end. Yep. Uh, I just, they're, they're so bloody hard to to predict, and If they can get that consistency and then closer to 5, but shit, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I, I sort of had issues with them. Obviously, thought the dogs were going to improve this year. Melbourne will probably improve this year. St Kilda will improve. Um, yeah. So finding a spot, I think they sit around that same area, depending on you know half a half a win or a win could be yeah. the difference between third and ninth. You like, yeah, um, yeah. I think somewhere around there, they, as you said, it wouldn't surprise me to see them close close to the six or close to the ten. Um, yeah. It'll be an interesting finish to see where they go. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, look forward to the feedback from Essen and support. Oh, yeah, they don't miss you. They don't miss They'll you. Come. Yeah, they, They'll come. Yeah, they love uh, dredging up. <laughs> love dredging up comments from a long time ago too and <laughs> they love the uh their favorite one is well who do you barrack for you see on uh any facebook <laughs> rankings and stuff on those afl nuffies pages like that's fucking irrelevant uh, the, the comments regarding your club have got nothing to do with my club i just hate those sort of arguments God. but anyway um we might take a quick break roscoe and we'll come back with your sure. top five right mate all right cheers buddy Roscoe, before we get into your top five, I just wanted to send, we don't usually send out a cheerio, but I wanted to send one out if that's okay. Yep. To Pete Connors of Gisborne, who's known as Diesel, who's an avid listener. Pete. Good day, yeah. Pete. He did. He listened to the Higgsy uh, special and now become one of our valued, um, I like the cut of your Jeep listeners, so he'll be uh, happy to get a call out. I'd say he'll ring Higgsy the Savo and mention that he got a special mention. Very good. Great to have you part of the family, Pete. Um, and I hope you enjoy this uh, top five that I got ready for you. Um, uh, brought to you by Flynn's Landscaping of Wangaratta. Um, this one comes from another member of our family, um, an idea from Ian Popel Fix. Um, Jeez, his name's popping up a lot lately. It is, it is. <laughs> he, he's almost verging on uh, in, into the territory of number one ticket holder. But um, now it's the top five. Biggest Australian sporting flogs. Um, you will probably hear this, the flog term mentioned quite a bit on this show. And, and uh, unfortunately, we have to, to release some names of some people who are flogs um, on this program. And today's going to be one of those days. Sometimes the art of being a good flog is you don't know you're a flog. That's why you're so good at it. <laughs> and uh, the criteria for this, um, for this one fix to make this top five is you just have to be a flog. Yep. So fairly right self-explanatory. Yep. yep. Um, coming in at number five, mate, is um, a bloke who we have mentioned at, at stage, various stages on this program, Robert Allenby. <laughs> Man, Robert. <laughs> um, it, you, you might remember, fix a few years, or quite a few years ago now, the uh, Australian, uh, the, the head honchos at Australian Golf were trying to make golf attractive and, and get some supporters there and, and they introduced a party hole at one of the major tournaments. Yeah, I think they have it on they used to have it on the par three, like on the fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth they usually were on the at the back end of the course there. Yeah. Yep. So uh quite a few supporters um started tipping a few in of the sponsors product and um Robert Allenby was the one of the players who voiced his concerns over this and, and couldn't handle people having a crack at him and and didn't like um, golf um, venturing on into the new age. So that didn't sit well with us. What also didn't sit well with us was this <laughs> little incident in Hawaii. Yes. Now, there's elements of this story I like. Yes. But the, what what can't be escaped is that he is a flog uh, yep. in trying to, trying to weasel his way out of it. Well, so, uh, for those listeners who don't remember the story, I think his phrase um, of the incident was, was quote, Something straight out of the movie Taken. <laughs> he believed he was boot. Um, oh. He copped a shiner, posted it on his Instagram, yeah. and then uh, there's a few little holes in that story. Yeah, they've developed uh, and grew legs since then, and um, he couldn't quite nail the 
the alibi for that one, Robert. So uh, you're uh, number five in, in my list this week. Yep. Um, number four, an NRL player, Greg Bird. Oh, he's a grub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was involved in the Asada cocaine scandal, um, pissed on a police van and um, assaulted his girlfriend. So all that adds up to just being an absolute toss bag. And uh, you hit number four, regardless of any sort of football ability that you had, Greg Bird. You're you're a flog. Yeah. Um, now it's a season for this, and these two will uh, have featured uh, in this in these sort of lists quite often. Uh, number three is Nick Kyrgios. Yes. Um, some of his behaviour, at his best, he's he's quite an oh, he's exciting to watch on the tennis court. Not that I watch a lot of tennis, but. Um, and the Australian public tends to get behind him, but when he starts to speak and, and he, if he loses a game, you just think, what possesses you to say that, man? You know, yeah. just stop being a flog. And, and you're number three for, for the way you you, you just behave, and, and certainly on the tennis court, you can just be an absolute flog. Yeah, um, well, he's, got two, he's got a mate that's not far off him. Yeah, well, he, he's only one spot above him. Uh, right. Bernard yeah, he comes in at number two, mate. Now this guy, in in direct uh, uh, opposition to the way he's, his flog rating has gone up, his tennis has gone down. Yeah, um, almost to the point where you and I could probably um, hold hold court against him fairly well. I would have thought. Um, yeah, the comment when he didn't, he made, he missed out on uh, making it through the qualifiers for the Australian Open, just going off to count me money, all that sort of shit. Yeah. Um, Bernie, you're a wanker, mate. Um, yeah. I, I don't subscribe to that uh, theory about, um, you know, oh, they're young guys with a lot of money, all that sort of stuff. That's bullshit, mate. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a heap of young people on the, on the tennis circuit, who exposed to the money and fame that, that these guys are, and they handle it a shitload better than they do, probably due to their uh, better upbringing. So uh, those two feature in the in the five. But number one, mate, uh, I know this will probably make a, a hell of a lot of I like the cut of your jib listeners happy. Yep. Um, and probably you too, Fix. Um, Anthony Mundine comes in at number one in the top five Australian sporting flogs. I know our new sponsor, which we'll be announcing uh, probably the next show. He'll be very pleased because he he was pretty scathing uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a few a few weeks ago. So yeah, no. to appease him, but I think this bloke sort of um, he doesn't need any favours to jimmy his way into the number one spot. Yeah, what's what's effectively happened to me in the past couple of weeks after that the other uh, mention of him in the top five is is the equivalent of being sat down and given a good talking to by authorities. <laughs> Yep. So, Anthony Mundine, this sums it up probably the best. We all know what he's like, how outspoken he is, what he says is, is the, the shit that he goes on with. But I've heard him described recently as being meaningless but constant, and I think that probably uh, sums him up. So oh, um, yeah, You can't get a much more accurate description of a person nah, than that. No. Nah. So he's the number one uh, in the top five biggest Australian sporting flogs brought to you by Flynn's Landscaping. So that's it for me this week, mate, on the yeah. top five circuit. Yeah, Mundane. Jeez. He's about as handy as the G in the word lasagna. <laughs> uh, now we move on to uh, Fix Remembers. Ah, yes. Now, uh, most of our long-time listeners will be aware there's, there's generous, generally a, uh, a bit of a humorous twist on Fix Remembers, but uh, yep. after signing that, that five-year deal, 
uh, with our new sponsor, I was like, how the fuck am I going to fill in five <laughs> years worth of funny <laughs> stories? So um, um, to alleviate the problem of me just superimposing myself in someone else's story and which, claiming it as my own. Which can still happen, can it? Which That's possibly could, yeah, yeah, if we get to that stage. Uh, this one's a more just a step down memory lane for me, which was um, uh, the 1987 elimination final, uh, right. which I attended as a kid. Your beloved D's, my before. beloved D's, which um, hadn't played in a final since 1964, which actually won the flag that year, but hadn't played in a final series since. So it was a yep. long time between drinks. Um, I don't really remember that last game, Roscoe. After we've done the show for the third time, you probably should by now. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, was, there was four matches that had a direct impact on that um, final series going into yeah. the last round. And um, Carlton might have played North, which was for top spot. Hawthorne played Geelong. So it was basically Geelong, Melbourne and Footscray that were vying for the final spot. Um, so all these games had something riding on them, and they were all played. Yeah, and they were all played at the same time. So Melbourne played Footscray out at the Wit Noble, which was their one. What are you, Fixer? Are you saying that they used to play football games at the same time on a Saturday? Correct. Yeah, oh, it's going dear. with winding the clock back. Some of our <laughs> older, older listeners may remember it. Oh, and, God. and you know what? It was actually fun. Yeah, it was fun. You got, you got to choose. Um, that was back in the days, uh, which you'd be familiar with. You used to have someone with a wireless radio walking around the ground at the footy and they'd give you the little updates. And then the actual um, the ABC commentary back in the day would go out to Stan, Mc, uh, Stan Mc, uh, not Stan McKay, David McKay out at... Uh, uh, Swan. Swan McKay, <laughs> sorry. Swan McKay out at uh, Windy Hill. Yeah, the Bombers are just hit the front. Uh, 10 we got the close one out there, boys. 31 minutes at El Maltello out at uh, Glen Prairie. What are you doing there? <laughs> All over here. Shut the gate. Hawks are up by eight goals there, home. Um, so, yeah, and, that, and uh, it all basically come down to that last round, which yep. uh, Melbourne had to win six in a row to get there, and they'd won five. So they um, to get in the five, they obviously had to beat the Dogs and Hawthorne who I think might have been second, had to beat Geelong. Yeah. I think Geelong and Footscray had a bye, so they were both – there was a two-point difference. So if Melbourne won, um, they obviously had enough points to get in. So, um, the, But the the actual – during the game of that, um, I don't know if you remember, it was 10 minutes into the last uh, – sorry, 10 minutes in the first quarter was when a young Gary Lyon broke his leg in that game. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's the, the famous – What's got a fair old run? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So quarter time, Geelong were up by three goals. Um, Dogs were up by a goal. Um, And then at three quarter time, it was back in the days too, also Roscoe, which you would remember, um, where they had some uh, basic cryptic um, course that you had to go and study at TAFE to understand the (laughs) scoreboard where they used to have A's playing B and C's playing D. And you had to look at the scoreboard, look at your record, by the time you fucking figured out what was going on, it was the end of the bloody quarter anyway. <laughs> uh, so that's all they had. And they were only updated at the breaks. Uh, there wasn't an ongoing uh, an yeah. ongoing thing. So, you know, quarter and half, three quarter, they'd update the scoreboard and you'd have a bit of a look up there at the other game. So um, I think it, uh, the story goes at three quarter time, John Sell, who was Melbourne's um, footy uh, manager, I think, at the time, uh, he told... 
all the, the three-quarter time huddle and all the Ds and John Norley at the Hawks were eight goals up and they were home, so Melbourne just had to win. I think they were might have been a goal down going into the last quarter. Um, yep. And the Ds ended up winning by 15 points. So they were in at that yeah, stage, yeah. but Geelong was still up with a minute to go. And Jason Dunstall uh, kicked a goal basically inside the last minute to give the Hawks a victory. So that all sort of went down before um, Melbourne had even 100% been locked in. And then obviously a bit of euphoria in the rooms afterwards and um, they were all pretty excited. So I obviously had the the sit-down conversation from Dad. I was all excited. We were going down to the game. But um, Melbourne didn't actually have anyone in that 1987 elimination that had played finals at all. Uh, well, Brian, sorry, Brian Wilson was on their list who had played a final, but he was out with an ankle injury. Um, yep. So he got, I got sat down and I was pretty excited. And, you know, basically, Dad had to explain <laughs> not to get too too excited. Um, Don't yeah, get ahead no, of yourself, son. Straubs O'Dwyer was suspended. Uh, surprisingly, Rod Grinter was also suspended for that game. Oh, that's yeah, he's a, usually a mild man. Yeah, sort something of a... must have happened there. Yeah. Just a bit unlucky, I'd say. Um, obviously, <laughs> Gary Lyon was out. He was good that year. Wilson, Brian Wilson was out with his ankle. So, we were, you know, the expectations were extremely low um, as we took off yep. in the drive. And back in the days there, too, it was when we'd go from Wang down to the footy, you'd drive through bloody Benalla, and then you'd go through Uroa, and then you'd go through Seymour. And, um, oh, yeah, on the yeah old so she was, yep. an old, she was an old school sort of trip. It was, you know... Pretty much, you're virtually in the horse and cart, aren't you? We're not, we're, not, we're not far <laughs> off the buggy. Uh, I think they call it a gig. We're in a gig that we went down there. <laughs> but when we got there, um, it was after a pretty even first little bit. D's just absolutely blew them away. I think they kicked 19 goals to two in the second half. Uh, final score, the D's 22-26-158, defeated North 5-10-40. 48 yeah, scoring 118 shots. points, which I think is and uh, was and still could be the largest winning margin in elimination final. Um, oh, I was just brilliant as a kid. Um, Robbie Flower kicked five, was best on. Um, Steinsy, so both my boyhood idols, both best on. Basically, two, two of the best blokes on the ground, um, yep. which was Robbie's first final. Um, both, sadly, now not with us, which is... Unfortunate because they, were, you know, both they were both as as a kid they were both. I absolutely loved them, and um, yeah, it was just an amazing day, an amazing experience, and the the whole, um, you know, as a kid you would have done the same where you hang the scarf half out the window on the way home. Yeah, and, um, yeah, stop off at your aisle for a bit of tea after the game, and as a kid <laughs> it was just a brilliant, uh, one of the most brilliant memories as a kid going to the footy. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. They, they were the day. Yeah, you get the jam donuts um, outside the ground, which, being from the country, I just don't think they ever had jam donuts in Wankarata. <laughs> well, sorry, I can't remember <laughs> as a kid. They obviously must have had it, but um, that was where you went for the proper jam donuts. So, um, an absolutely amazing experience and one that uh, that I still, still uh, have fond memories of now, which... Yeah, oh, which nice. leads to the question: Do you, do you have one? Of... Well, I do fix, and it's not one that ended as memorably as what yours did. 
Um, and I, funnily enough, I was actually with you at this game. We we went together, but and I don't know if you remember the night before, because in 1996 the doggies had a horrendous year. They finished last, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then there was a documentary made about it, Year of the Correct. Dogs. You know, we the night before this game, which is the 97 prelim final, we actually went to the movies to watch yes. that um, Year of the Dogs. So we we're pretty pumped up yep. for it. Um, and the doggies were playing Adelaide at the G. Uh, you and I were sitting in the AFL members Correct, members stands. reserve yep. stand side, yep. Yep. Um, and we were on fire. The dogs, everything we touched turned to gold. Nathan Brown was on fire. Mark West was on fire. Um, Brad Johnson, you reel them off. They were all playing Nothing their bad. role and doing really well. And then a bloke by the name of Darren Jarman just ripped our yep. heart out. Um, we had uh, a goal that probably was a goal by Tony Liberatore. I, I still don't know how that wasn't a goal. It appeared to be a goal from where we saw saw. Sorry, I'll start again. It's, it appeared to be a goal from where we saw it. Oh, mate, nothing. Even these years have passed, it's still a goal. I don't even know how it wasn't uh, wasn't paid. But Darren Jarman put on an absolute clinic in the in the last quarter and a half. And, uh, yeah, as I said, ripped our hearts out. And I've never felt such emptiness. We were, just had so much momentum in that season. And, um, you know, playing some really good footy. And then all of a sudden it just I can tr- dissipated. I can trace it back to where the momentum stopped. And I think you'll know where I'm going here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tony Liv- Tony I think I, yeah. A, uh, well, goal, it's, it, it was called a point. Some shit yeah. happened... Yeah. Uh, that changed the whole momentum of your of that particular game yeah, and season. Yeah. Now, someone come in and lifted yeah. him up in the post goal yeah. celebration. Yeah, we're looking at you, yeah. Paul Hudson. You're the guy Paul who Hudson. did that. What's un- What's unfortunate is that that every time that game gets referenced, there's a, a either a still shot or a, um, a TV shot of Liver's horrendous celebration that has him horizontal with the ground. Yeah. Um, and just in in a real pox sort of um, pumping, still pumping fists sort of scenario, and it it doesn't sit well with me, Fixer. And I I, I, I used to love Libba, but he just went down in he my was, estimations a little bit. He up, was lucky so. he ended up in a wheelchair. If you watch the footage again, <laughs> he come in, got lit like he had that part of that graph in picture, an yeah. upward graph, a bulldogs on fire. <laughs> Uh, Liberatore gets horizontal, nearly ends up uh, breaking his neck from some crazy Paul Hudson manoeuvre that flipped him into an awkward spot. Uh, momentum goes down, plummets, and Adelaide. Yeah, um, yeah I think once they mm-hmm. saw Liberty get horizontal, they they changed gears. Yeah, so what that does to me now, mate, is just rub salt into the wounds of, of losing that game, albeit. It's been tempered a little bit by the, uh, the premiership victory in 2016. So I've got over it a little bit, but I'll never forget that day. It was just such uh, emptiness to lose that. Sad that, uh, yeah, that one of your good childhood memories was soured by the result, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it's still, for some reason, is a memorable day. You just get caught up in it and um, and the joys of supporting your footy club, yeah. mate. Now, um, we have a question. Uh, from Stewie C from Gisborne. Yeah, Stewie. Well, he knows Diesel from Gisborne, but um, Stewie C writes <laughs> in, uh, who is the pl- hardest player you have played with and the hardest player you have seen in the AFL? 
Yeah, righto. Well, I don't know if Stewie will know this guy, but uh, the hardest player I played with, um, there was a few that you, you sort of had to, to whittle it down to, but always stuck in my mind. And the hardest player I ever played with was Andy Hill, yep. I think. Um, yep. Just a couple of different criteria for it. He never picked and chose when he went. Um, he, he was just rock hard in a contest, could hit in a hip and shoulder really hard. Next thing he'd be back and back into a pack. Um, he's, he's running courage was, was unbelievable. He was tough. Um, and he could actually go like he could get the Dukes up and, and, uh, and defend himself if need be, which he didn't have to a lot, but, um, yeah, he, he would be the, the hardest player. There's a few that were in that bracket, but he was the hardest player I played I, with. Um, uh, who do you I, have? I actually just had a little wry smile when you uh, said about Andy um, picked and choosed. I just had flashbacks from the <laughs> um, that football video, you know, with Yabby Jeans, where he's talking about Dermot Burton. And he just, <laughs> he just says, uh, I make no miss about Burton as far as courage went. He handed it out. But uh, when it came his turn, when he wasn't in the best seat, he, he never, ever pulled out. <laughs> That's more a Bobby <laughs> Davis impersonation, but I, I remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know yeah, where you're going. Do, do, he does have a lot better, but I just had a flashback to that. But, um, yeah, Andy's definitely uh, one that fits that criteria. I also had in mind um, a bloke called Waldo or Andrew Waldo Wilson from Rovers. Um, yep. He's always going to be blurred when in these discussions because there's a fine line between courage and fucking stupidity, and he... Red, regularly treaded that line um, and any given day of the week could step on either side of it. So, um, yeah. yeah, with him, you're a little bit caught up whether it was actually sheer courage or just stupidity because some of the spots he put just, that um, ridiculously large, oversized head no. um, was going to <laughs> cause danger for both himself and others. And I, I had agree. one I played with um, as a young bloke when I played in the Tech Cup at the bushies, a bloke called Josh Robinson from Wodonga. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, yep. I think originally from Wodonga, Robert. Yeah, Wodonga he? Raiders boy. Well, he was when he played. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. He wore a helmet. Um, yep. Which, you know, when you see a helmet straight away, you think he's a bit bit of a pussy, but um, he, his knocked out situation was that bad uh, during a lunchtime footy game where he wasn't watching the ball. Someone had kicked a ball, hit him on the back of the head, and knocked him in. So the fact that that's, <laughs> I should yeah, laugh. The at... fact that that's yeah. how uh, easily knocked out he was, and and if you saw him play, yeah. um, shit, he was hard. Like he, you'd hear, yeah. you'd hear him come into contests, whacking blokes and whacking the ball, and just ridiculously courageous. He was, and he he went to North Melbourne, but he never, he never actually made it. But shit, he was. Um, yeah. I used to yeah. love playing with him. Yeah, he played a few years. On, on when I say a few, it was it was either two or three at Myrtleford, oh, yeah. um, and really good player there. Yep. Um, but yeah, it stood out as as to being a real hard at sort of bloke. But these guys, you, you never forget, that, do you? You 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 forget easily the ones who would fly in and or or just sort of impact the game every now yep. and then with their skills and stuff like that. But you never forget the blokes who were just hard as yep. nails and. Um, would never shirk an issue. They, they were, they're always ones you yeah. remember. Yeah, and I'd, I'd imagine for the same reasons, we've probably both got the same AFL player that uh, is the hardest. Well, I had Glenn Archer, which 
I'm assuming. Yeah, yep, same, mate. After doing the yep. show three times, I presume that that's what you still had. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought of any other one. Nah, Archie's still the man, so we'll, um, we'll go to him for a yeah. he, was, he was just Yeah, brutal. brave and tough. Yeah. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. And good enough to win a Norm Smith medal, so he wasn't without skill and being able to read the footy um, in its in its um, in traffic. So, yeah, just a really tough yep. bastard. Yeah, I think I remember seeing an article on his hand when he had that broken hand. I remember, he wore a glove basically for a season. I reckon it was yeah. just like a bloody yeah, mashed true. potato. Well, what he what he apparently happened to him? I read an article on it later. His his middle. Or he basically his fingers all went all the way back to his forearm. Ooh. That's how far they they bent back and were just oh, mangled. Geez. So um, it wouldn't have ever come into question him being available. That's how tough that trip yeah. was. Yeah, no, he was um, he was from the top shelf. Yeah, you got anything else there, Roscoe? Um, I don't think I have fixer. Um, uh, no, no, I've got one that I'm going to hold off for next week, um, just to, uh, just because I'm doing a little bit of research on right, it, mate. Right, yeah, no worries. Yeah, so uh, I'll hold that one off, but I think that's probably about it from Yeah, well, I just want to, um, I have to, just after saying we don't send out Cheerios, um, we, I had to miss a first birthday party today to do this show. Um, obviously, obviously, oh, really? Your time schedule made it. A little bit yeah. difficult, and mine also. I'm off to Geelong this afternoon to um, go down and see Big Dan Madden and spend the night there. Ah, uh, Madda, there's a shout out for you. G'day, Mad. The laziest man with two legs on the planet. <laughs> um, yeah, so we obviously couldn't do it this afternoon, but I missed the first birthday party, so um, I'd just like to wish little Pat um, a happy first birthday. His dad probably won't listen to the podcast this deep to actually hear this, but. Um, if ever you can find it in your heart that I missed your first birthday party as you get older, um, I do apologise. Uh, we would have loved to have been there. Happy, happy birthday, I'm Patty. sure you'll have enough people around him and will have a fun day. So, And work, um, we work. will do some more work on hopefully delivering um, uh, our new platform later in the week. And, um, yeah, we really want to share that with the listeners. We need to get it sorted, but just... Having a little yeah. bit of grief at the moment. They're going to enjoy oh, it, aren't they? Because they're going to enjoy what we've got in store. We just uh, we want to make it yeah. bright and, and get it to them uh, as in as good a quality as what we yeah. we expect. So uh, just bear with us. We're we're yeah. getting there. Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to bringing yeah. it to yeah. you. Well, you have a good week, Roscoe, and I'll um, I'll speak to you a bit later in the week, and we'll get another show out. All all the best, mate. I like the no cut worries, of your jib. I like yours too. See you, buddy. Bye, mate. See you, mate.